the double standards of Tommy Lee's dick pic, Millie Bobby Brown shares what it's like being womaned, and iCarly star Jeanette McCurdy opens up about her toxic child star past and the reality of jealousy in friendships. We're Jasmine and Maggie, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past and present. We'd also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We were away last week because you were up in Darwin. How was your trip? The best. I was in the Northern Territory for the first time in my life and I loved it. I was quite nervous going on it. It was one of my first ever press trips and I didn't know anyone there and, you know, it was really hot there and I thought it might be quite like an active holiday. Um, But I'm so glad I went. It was like mind-blowingly beautiful. I learned a lot. The Antiste is so beautiful. I just, I really want to go again. So this is your sign. I feel like most Australians don't really think of going to the NT. Um, you know, the number one tourists um, are like elderly people for them. But I'm like, it should be us as well. There's so much to see. That's interesting that like their top demographic is elderly people. Yeah. And I could definitely see that there, like a lot of retirees mm. and um and oh my god they call them gray nomads which yeah. i'd never heard before you never <laughs> heard that no oh, wow. um and i like that phrase yeah it's cute fun well we are back and we have quite a big episode so i think we should just get into it today this week, the drummer from Motley Crue and one half of the infamous Pam and Tommy duo posted a full frontal pic of his schlong on Instagram. While this is obviously super fucked up and inappropriate, what got people the most upset, I feel, online was the fact that Instagram didn't take the image down for over three hours. So I didn't see this because I think this was posted during our night, but it was literally a whole photo of his penis, right? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it on Instagram. It's a full frontal, but yeah, I saw the whole thing. And it's just like, I just found, yeah, how is it allowed for one? But I also couldn't stop thinking about the double standards. Like imagine, I feel, and I feel like it was such a blip as well this week. Like Mm. people like, oh my God, he's posted it online. And like, obviously some people getting upset, but I feel like if a woman did that, it would be like huge, huge news, like everywhere like all over the newspapers, whereas I feel like it was kind of like a ha-ha, oh, my God, what like a crazy lad that is, you know? Mm, yeah, like imagine like a vulva on yeah. your Instagram. That would not happen. Um, It's kind of interesting to compare it maybe to like Florence Pugh who wore a dress, which uh, she addressed where her nipples were showing, but, you know, she wasn't shirtless either, mm. and that caused such a massive hullabaloo, I think. Um, but this one, you know, um. Tommy captioned the photo oops like a little cheeky moment yeah and I think just the audacity to think that like people would like that and like the consent situation like Mm. it's not like why would you think that everyone just wants to see your dick like that (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, he is a famous celebrity um, and, you know, he's known for being a bit of a wild child mm. as well. So it feels quite on brand for him as well. But I think that main thing of like consent, like you're scrolling through Instagram, you're seeing, you know, whatever, your friends, your friends, babies, I don't know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> birthday parties. And then you see this, like very, very strange. Mm-hmm. I wanted to also talk about like the conversation between empowering nude photos and then just like nude photos without consent because Mm. it's also I think a double standard in this might be super off topic but I remember having this conversation a couple of years ago because a friend like an ex-friend from high school was going through like these really big like identity and lifestyle changes and um was posting a lot of pictures in her underwear and like you know very body positivity stuff and then I remember I was like going through her Instagram story and it was like a picture of her bum in like a tiny tiny little thong thing and like you could see like her vulva basically um and I remember and it was no warning no like Mm. and not a series of stuff it was just like a random Instagram story and it literally made me be like oh my god and not that I'm a prude but I was just like I didn't it's not like if you were going to I don't know watch porn or something and you're like I want to see this it was just like on Instagram I feel like Instagram's Mm. like such like a wild west of like nude pictures and like rules and like some people their images are taken down of their nipples but some people like Tommy Lee can have the dick up for three hours like what's the difference between like empowering nudes and body positivity and then non-consensual sexual harassment online I don't think I've got like a clear answer to that. That's an mm. interesting gray area. Um, and it's weird. Like I, I don't know how I feel because I think like, yes, oh, I don't know how I feel. Mm. Oh, my God, I literally don't right? know how I feel because it's going to be like, oh, people can post what they want if it's up to them. But um, in terms of, you know, how it's received by the viewer, mm-hmm. Is that on the onus of the viewer? Like I like how Twitter is open. You can have um, like sexual content on the platform if it's, um, you know, made by you. So if, you know, if it's your own own content, okay. I can't think of the rules specifically. Yeah, because I remember with this girl being like, I didn't go into Instagram today to see your literal vulva. Good for you if you want to do that. But I don't know, like she wasn't a sex worker. She like that's not what her page was about. It was just like her personal page. And I remember having that conversation with another friend. Like I felt like affronted by seeing it because like I didn't want to see that. And then I don't know if I'm being a prude. And it was like super (laughs) off topic. But the conversation around like posting Mm. nudes online basically this week got me thinking about that. And also the difference between with women is it like, oh, that's so empowering, body positivity, go you. But then with men it's like, you know, the gender divide as well. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've thought in our two minute conversation, I've thought more about the situation, let's say with your ex-friend, right? And I think they have full capacity to post whatever they want, but it's also your power to unfollow or block or mute mm-hmm. because I'm thinking that kind of um, storyline or that kind of narrative isn't just for, let's say, nudes or whatever. It can be just like content you're not interested in seeing. Mm-hmm. So someone's super lovey-dovey with their partner or if someone's like bragging about X, Y, and Z, like you can also choose to mm-hmm. not see that, which I know this is kind of different, but like, but yeah. Yeah. And I think I did unfollow her after that. And that's not the reason we fell out at all. We were already not really close when she was posting like that stuff. Yeah, I think I did unfollow her. 
Anyway, back to Tommy Lee. Our colleague and entertainment editor of Pedestrian, Maddie Galea, wrote about this topic in an article for PTV titled, It's Fucked Women Are Routinely Scrubbed from Instagram, But Tommy Lee and Andrew Tate Can Pollute Our Feed. Maddie noted that women have taken to social media to point out the bullshit double standards on Instagram. So one photographer wrote on Facebook, quote, so this is still up on Instagram, but any image with women's nipples is removed in minutes, double standards. A sex worker wrote on Instagram, quote, I posted how frustrating this is, especially for sex workers on my Instagram story, and it got deleted while the post stays up. Okay, that one's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like actually writing about the topic gets taken down, but the actual image didn't. Do you think it's because he's like a famous celebrity? I'm or... actually really confused about this because I think especially um, when it comes to like nipples and whatnot, I'm guessing it's just like tech data yeah. that's doing it. It's not someone looking at every <laughs> single photo on Instagram. But then I'm like, okay, but why wasn't Tommy Lee's photo taken down? Yeah. He also had that really, (laughs) but do you also see that like really random reel he had on his page about the Kardashians? Like let's give Kardashians their old face back. And it was just like, you know, a recent pap shot or, you know, promotional photo of the Kardashians. And then someone's gone in and like put in their like unplastic surgery faces. 15 years ago. Yeah. I'm like, okay, she was a child then, but also, Mm. um, yeah, Tommy Lee, it was quite a chaotic moment for his mm-hmm. feed, like mm-hmm. something was going on. It's so weird. Sorry, I'm just checking back on his Instagram. So, yes, he still has that Kardashian video up, but he's just like gone to taking and sharing um, the most random videos. So, for instance, like music, like a music video or like a random girl dancing. So Maddie's article also notes the Instagram community guidelines that say it's working to, quote, foster a positive, diverse community. We remove content that contains credible threats or hate speech, content that targets private individuals to degrade or shame them. This is also interesting when you look at the news this week, of course, about Andrew Tate, who is an ex-boxer, ex-Big Brother star, who's been in the news a lot recently for his, like, misogynistic rants on TikTok. And I think that, like... Of course, he's not going to get taken down because he's giving Instagram and TikTok so much money right now. He was like one of the most Googled people in the world this week, overtaking Kim Kardashian. Um, So Maddie's article also goes into more of the Andrew Tate saga, which I, I was debating about talking about him this week, but I feel like talking about like any publicity is good publicity almost with him. What do you think? It's interesting because obviously our For You pages and whatnot are skewed to not get content Mm. like he has delivered to ours. So the only interactions I've had with Andrew Tate content um, is people like stitching his videos, Mm -hmm. you know, mocking him or criticizing him and things like that. I honestly think in terms of like any publicity is good publicity. I'm not sure about that. I think it's sometimes good to like dive into these public figures like Jordan Peterson, right? Because mm-hmm. people really do love and admire these men and it and we kind of need to take that seriously, I think. Like it's very easy to joke about it, but also we need to realize wait, hang on. He's actually doing quite a lot mm-hmm. of harm. But then I'm also like I don't really 
care that much. I'm like, exactly. that's, that's why, why we're talking yeah, to him. Exactly. Right. Talking to him, fine. <laughs> and our next guest is Andrew Kelly. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So, of course, the Tommy Lee picture was eventually taken down. With all of this Tommy Lee news, it just made me mad about the way the different bodies are policed. But I feel also like it's just going to be a blip in the pop culture news and not much discussion is going to come from it because it is a man's body rather than a woman's. He's not going to get slut-shamed. Nothing's going to happen to him. No consequences. He's probably not going to get shadow banned. Like, the world is going to keep on spinning. Stranger Things star and founder of Florence by Mills, Millie Bobby Brown, has given a three-hour interview to Allure and has opened up about her relationship with social media, fame, and her toxic ex. Um, yeah, you were you, just before we recorded this segment, you were just like three hours. Like imagine sitting like that, and it was a physical interview as well, like sitting with someone for three hours wow. and chatting away. And I think like the end article was only around nine hundred, a thousand words. Like it wasn't long at all. I was like, you could have gotten that. Sorry, maybe not. Yeah. But it felt like a like you know thirty, forty minute call or something. Wow, good for that inter- that journalist. <laughs> How fun! Talk to Millie by around for three hours. So some revelations from the interview include the fact that Millie doesn't have social media on her phone. Apparently someone handles both her Instagram and Facebook accounts as well. Yeah, so we've heard that Selena Gomez is the same. But for Millie, you know, she's 18 years old. I feel like with Junza, we we love our social media. So that was quite interesting to hear. But it's kind of sad the reason that she's had to step away from social media. So in the interview, she says that she has, quote, been inappropriately sexualized and trolled for years um, before she deleted her like Twitter and TikTok. She was sent a lot of hateful messages, threats, and NSFW content from adult men. And again, like she's 18 now. So, you know, she was literally a teenager when she had to deal with all this. She had to go to therapy as well to handle the harassment. So this interview also ties into our chat the other week about being, quote, womaned. We love this article by Ione Gamble, which is titled, Being Womaned is Becoming a Depressing Inevitability for Us All for Refinery29. Ione notes that the term was coined by culture writer Rain Fisher-Kwan, who describes the moment when, quote, everyone stops liking a woman at the same time. Ione writes, it isn't the same as being cancelled. It's not like people are watching with bated breath for these people to slip up or even calling them out on actual bad behaviour. Instead, they're inventing reasons to no longer like them. It might be that your fave female celebrity has a particularly annoying walk or starts being criticised for the way they dress or their activism has gone from feeling empowering to performative. Ion continues, En masse, people may start taking issue with the way said celebrity holds themselves in interviews or the shade of lipstick she wears. Just like the it can ruin a relationship, being womaned usually stems from a small, inconsequential action that becomes increasingly unbearable to the public. While we were reading through that, I don't know about you, but I had so many celebrities that just kept popping into my head being like, yeah, mm-hmm. we did that to them. We did that to them. Um, which is, I'm so glad that we're kind of talking about this phenomenon, this, that always happens. Um, Jamila Jamil actually talks quite a lot about mm-hmm. it and she's definitely someone that's being womaned. Totally. 
And in the article, Ione also points to Millie Bobby Brown as somebody who has been womaned, which I, again, find extremely intriguing since she's barely a woman. She just turned 18. Um, And in the interview, she talks about being hated for no reason, particularly as someone who's still figuring out who she is. So we'll read out some of her quotes from the interview that she's given. It's really hard to be hated on when you don't know who you are yet. So it's like, what do they hate about me? Because I don't know who I am. It's almost like, okay, I'm going to try being this today. And then they say, oh no, I hate that. Okay, forget that. I'm going to try being this today. Oh my God, I hate when you do that. Then you start shutting down because you're like, who am I meant to be? Who do they need me to be for them? I just want to give her a hug. Why did that make me emotional? Bless her. Well, like this kind of identity crisis that she's experiencing, obviously that's just a part of growing up as well, but Mm -hmm. it's so amplified um, for her in the limelight. And I feel like that disconnect, I know that she's not the one, um, you know, posting on her Instagram, but I think it's so clear on her Instagram. It's such a weird feed. Like she's got random pressure. Like, I don't know, like her, there's no sense of almost personality to her. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's just so many different vibes I'm getting from the page um which is so like this is a random thing to talk about I think but you know I compare her to Sadie Sink whose kind of brand imaging is so strong and you kind of Mm -hmm. know you know she's like these really cool editorial shoots um and things like that but Millie it's such a random mix of like press shots for um Florence by Mills or you know her posing with a product or then you know a very professional photo very like lo-fi photo I don't know it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting to me it's like she can't decide what she is because people will hate on that version of herself totally yeah and the difference between like the girls from Stranger Things Instagrams versus the boys like the Mm. girls seem like they have so much more pressure on them to have this like perfectly curated um image and like brand persona and it feels like the boys can be more boy like they can yes they're just like having a laugh, you know? Of course. The whole thing with Doja Cat and Noah Schnapp, like mm. that was so silly, so goofy. Um, imagine imagine Millie Bobby Brown being in that position. Yeah. Like she would have been dragged so hard and like people would have like boycotted her next movie or whatever because everyone loves Doja Cat. But like because it was Noah, it was like, oh, haha. And like we, you know, we spoke about it as well. Um, but side note on that topic, Noah's video, TikTok video this week with his twin sister, Chloe, was so funny. Like I Tell loved, me about I it. I didn't it. see it. Basically just Noah and Chloe talking to each other and they are insulting each other but like in a loving way. They're like, oh, I love it when you like, you know, get up so late. Yeah. Yeah, those ones. It was really funny and sweet. But yeah, anyway. That was such a side note, but I feel like poor Millie. I can't imagine trying to find yourself. I mean, like you and I feel it, like, mm. and we have like one point zero 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 one percent of her followers. When like people have this one idea of you, and you feel like if you stray too far from it online or in person, like you're letting people not letting people down. That's so dramatic, but like people are judging you. Which they're probably not, no one gives a fuck, but like you feel that way, you know what I mean? Yes, completely. 
And of course, especially with Millie Bobby Brown, like she's had so many public scrutinies under her belt. Remember those whole things with the press junkets where apparently she was like talking um, on top Mm. of everybody and, you know, just being like an eager teenage girl, let's be honest. Um, But it's interesting to see her move on, I guess, and perhaps enter this new era. Um, I think this interview has given her more sympathy and kind of just shone a bit more of a light on on who she is I guess and yeah this made me oh god not like I did like her more but this made me connect with her more I think mm-hmm. with you. just a content warning here for the next segment as it talks about abuse So this week, the trailer for House of Hammer, a new documentary series focusing on actor Army Hammer and his family, has been released. A quick refresher if you need it. Army is an actor. He's known for Call Me By Your Name, The Social Network, and The Lone Ranger. And his family is extremely wealthy and powerful as they are in the oil business. And now he is most known for the allegations that came out at the start of 2021 around sexual abuse and non-consensual sexual fantasies. In one message to a woman, he reportedly described himself as a cannibal. One of his accusers said, quote, he said to me he wants to break my rib and barbecue and eat it. Yeah, so I can't believe that happened almost a, like about a year and a half ago now. Mm. It feels like it feels like yesterday since we were talking about it on the podcast. Um, that's why I mean a year and a half is a while, but it's also not a long time. That's why I was surprised that gee they're already making a documentary about this. Um, it feels like something that's still you know going on. The docu series um, will be three parts and it investigates the allegations of sexual abuse. Army um, has repeatedly denied these um, as well as five generations of alleged abuses of power by men in the Hammer family. So this doco is not just centered on Army but it kind of looks at the family um, as a whole as we mentioned there in the oil oil business. The trailer itself is really intense. I wasn't expecting that. Um, And it shows two of his ex-girlfriends give on-camera interviews. They also read out alleged screenshots and share voice memos of messages from ARMY. Yeah, so it's really intense. That's why especially we have that content warning um, if Mm. people do want to watch it. There are some terrible messages ARMY has allegedly sent. A key person also in that doco is Casey Hammer, who is Army's aunt. She kind of talks more on the generational abuse and corruptness of the family, which is, yeah, quite, again, intense. Yeah, I remember when all all the news came out in 2021 and um, his aunt was, like, speaking out against the family, basically, Mm. which is huge. Like, imagine against all that power and all those men speaking out like that about your own nephew as well must be pretty full on do you think you'll watch the documentary no and no I feel like that is not something I want to sit through and put myself Mm. through I was thinking about this because I'm like god like almost profiting off really terrible things that have only recently come to light Um, but then on the other hand I'm like no it's like you know the victim's I guess they've made the choice to share their story and to 
like, you know, this could be part of their recovery um, by shining a light on all this terrible mm. stuff. So um, I guess I'm glad that it's happening and, you know, it's unveiling some really horrible truths, but no, it's not something I'm going to watch. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same. I try to just watch things that are very like make me feel good. <laughs> I'll probably like read the news articles yeah. that come up, <laughs> sum up what it's about. Yeah. At the same time, the trailer for this docuseries has been released. The trailer for Timothy Chalamet's new horror film, Bones and All, was also released. It's adapted from a novel and follows a pair of young teenage cannibals in love. Interesting, given both of their biggest movies was a movie where they are playing a couple. Do you think this is a coincidence or do you think that, do you think it's like a fuck you to army or do you think it's just like not something they've even thought about no I think this is very very purposeful and I think this is so cheeky but I don't understand like I don't I don't have my full ideas fleshed out but the fact that these two trailers basically dropped within a day of each other Mm. and they're both about cannibals and they're both like you mentioned you know the stars of call me by your name I was like this is cheeky because I saw like a meme about Timothy Charlemagne I was like wait what is this a docu series about army like it was very almost confusing um look the trailer the initial trailer for bones and all is very quite short and it doesn't really reveal much about the plot but you know it's these like two indie teens kind of trekking their way uh, across america and it i'm like is this just like obviously it's a horror we know it's a horror so it's not just like a full-on love story but i'm like do you think it might romanticize army story at all um you Mm. know perhaps evoke like sympathy or humanize his cannibalism oh my god that's such a good question could timothy be doing it as a friend um he's like please just portraying cannibals in a good light (laughs) um no i don't think so i feel like cannibalism is such for obvious reasons like one of like humanity's biggest taboos so i don't think there's any way to romanticize cannibalism or to put it in because I feel like it's so wrong on like a human DNA level. Obviously there are cases of people eating other humans and especially if you're on like dire straits survival mode, but I don't think you can romanticize it or create like copycat cannibals from media. Yeah, I mean, I know it was a bit silly because I was thinking, I'm like, oh, what about copycat behavior? But I just think, you know, when we tie cannibalism in Army's case with like sexual fantasy and then in this Bones and All movie, cannibalism is tied to love. I'm a bit nervous, but I I do agree. Like it's like cannibalism will stay on the fringes of society, I think. But um, I just, I just, I was like, oh, both of their marketing teams being like, oh, let's build up hype around Bones Knoll because of ARMY's bloody story. Totally. Bloody well, story. we're talking about it, right? We wouldn't be talking about Timothy's new movie standalone in this segment without the context of ARMY. So it is a smart marketing move. And also, sorry, I forgot to mention, Bones and All's director is the same director as Call Me By Your Name. <gasps> What? That's even more cheeky than they're like, oh, learning, you know, like diving into the archives of, you know, they're working time together to draw inspo for the character. 
Jeanette McCurdy, former co-star of iCarly and Sam and Cat, has recently published a tell-all memoir called I'm Glad My Mum Died. In it, she opens up about her working relationship with the singer Ariana Grande in their show Sam and Cat and her jealousy of her. So according to Jeanette, Ariana was allowed to regularly ditch filming for their show so she could work on her music career, um, you know, things like, quote, sing at award shows, record new songs and do press for her upcoming album. Um, it was so interesting. I saw this video interview with Jeanette talking about it and she was like, yeah, they literally wrote around the show and said Ariana's character was just locked in a box and that's how they explained her absence. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny to be honest. But Jeanette says, quote, Ariana misses work in pursuit of her music career while I act with a box. I'm pissed about it and I'm pissed at her, jealous of her. Ariana is at the stage in her career where she's popping up on every 30 under 30 list that exists. And I'm at the stage in my career where my team is excited that I'm the new face of Rebecca Bonbon, a tween clothing line featuring a cat with her tongue sticking out, sold exclusively at Walmart. A punchy, punchy line, hey. Mm. Um, Seeing these quotes come out about the pair's, I guess, like working relationship were quite shocking. I feel like we don't really get this tea from Disney Mm. stars about their colleagues. How did you feel? I feel like it's always like um, implied and there's always those like articles or, you know, the rumours like uh, Selena Gomez is jealous of Demi Lovato or like Mm. Miley Cyrus hates Demi. I keep going back to Demi, but, you know, like all those, (laughs) the Disney crew. Um, Poor Demi. Poor Demi. Love you, Demi. But it's never been so explicit in a memoir and f- maybe like in the past but like Ariana's still like one of the biggest singers in the world like it's quite they're both still or especially Ariana is very still relevant right now it's not like mm. from 30 years ago mm-hmm. I think it's nice to hear about jealousy in friendships like it's definitely a topic that we don't talk about that often in pop culture completely I was thinking the same you know it's very refreshing to hear about jealousy um, because regardless of whether it's about famous people or just regular people I feel like jealousy so it's actually quite taboo like it's it's Mm -hmm. a yucky it's you're so shamed for feeling jealous it's something that's like a bad trait people consider I feel Mm -hmm. so I'm glad that she talked about this like how do you feel about her airing this so is that a good thing to do a bad thing to do well I mean by saying that it's a bad thing to do we're kind of insinuating again that jealousy is a bad Mm. trait right Mm -hmm. she's just more saying how she feels but it's so true what you said about jealousy like being taboo it's like because we're taught like don't be jealous like be happy in yourself you shouldn't be jealous of them or if someone doesn't like you oh they're just jealous of you you Mm. know like it's such a almost a cop out as well yeah but it's very a very real feeling yeah, and it reminded me of a TikTok I literally just saw like yesterday. So Aja Baba had um, stitched together a TikTok with this person who was crying to the camera, like obviously quite emotional. And in that video, the other person was like, I feel like a terrible person. I just had to end a friendship because I was really jealous. Like, it, you know, it's been a long thing, but like jealousy issues were really wow. pervading our friendship. And she was, you know, crying and Aja, you know, in her stitch was like, no, like you, you did the right thing yourself like respecting you know boundaries or whatever it is is important but like 
yeah, I I mean, I know this is a bit side side issue here, but you know, ending a friendship over jealousy, which is essentially similarly similar to what Jeanette has done with Ariana. Like, is that is that acceptable? Like, do we do we approve of that? I don't know. I guess you should end friendships if they're not serving you anymore, right? Not the person is not serving you, but the friendship as a whole is not serving you. And if you end up feeling like worse off being around them, hearing about their news, like over a long period of time, I feel like perhaps. Mm. But like a one-off or two-off instance, I think you have to like work on yourself, right? Yeah, because I think at times it is less about the other person here. It's like it's okay to end friendships on your own regard. I feel like we're turning into an advice column. <laughs> <laughs> More like therapy, right? Yeah. Well, being super vulnerable here, let's just get it out in the open. You and I have actually had some like jealousy stuff in our friendship before because in media, like you're competing with your friends mm. all the time, especially in yeah. Australian media. And we've had instances of like, I don't really want to go like into the nitty gritty, but like Mm -hmm. I feel like we've been really good at like respecting boundaries or we've had conversations around respecting Mm -hmm. boundaries, Mm re-jealousy with things. And like I feel like our friendship is stronger because of that now because essentially we were both going for the same job and one of us got it. We were like – it's okay to need space it's okay to have time apart not be super close right now and like very respectful of each other and now we're super strong so like I think jealousy can be overcome in friendship again remembering that it is like a normal emotion and like a valid emotion to feel Mm, I think completely I've also like reframed jealousy recently rather than like I'm so jealous that person has that. I want that. Why don't I have that? Mm. I I don't know if it's like a bit woo-woo, but I've recently seen things like if someone close to you achieves something that you want, it's like the universe showing you that like it's close to you and like you can achieve it and seeing people have what you want, whether it's like on Instagram or in your real friendships, it's like why not you as well? Like it doesn't have to be mm. one or the other. Um so, yeah, trying to – when the feelings of jealousy come up, being like, why do I feel jealous? What is it they have that I want? How do I get it for myself while still, like, being happy for them? And, like, um, yeah, things like that. Oh, that is such a beautiful way of looking at it because I agree in the sense of, like, emotions and the way we feel, they're not necessarily good or bad, right? And we always put, you know – we put judgment value on on feeling bad, like angry or sad. They're not. That's not a bad thing. Same as jealousy. So it's nice to look at the underlying things that mm. are brewing there. And actually, this conversation has just reminded me. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Shameless has a Ask Shameless newsletter, and there was actually a dilemma sent in about jealousy. And Madison Griffiths wrote a really, really, really lovely reply. And we actually got them to read a little bit of their piece out for us, which we'll just add here. People aren't dot points or walking resumes. We are multifaceted, complex and often contradictory creatures who cannot be summed up according to our accolades or lack of. I want you to practice considering all of the things that make you, you, success aside. Do you have any quirky, silly hobbies that fill you with joy? What's your favourite thing to eat? 
What's something your partner says or does that always manages to make you laugh? This stuff, the stuff that cannot possibly be compared, is the stuff that matters. A single version of your best friend, the one only you've made up, lives in your head. A person devoid of issues and struggle, that's not your best friend. That's a two-dimensional rendering of someone who looks similar. I find the best, albeit scariest, ways to ensure that these ugly feelings don't take you prisoner is by facing them head on. If I were you, I'd sit down with your best friend, take in a big, deep breath and speak to her about how you're feeling, even if it feels terrifying to do so. I love when we go off on a tangent, like <laughs> vintage culture club. We're Holy like, shit. oh, this book. Anyway, how we feel about this emotion. But going back to Jeanette McCurdy's book, we want to put a content warning here for this next part with explicit accounts of abuse and eating disorders. Jeanette told the New York Times, quote, my whole childhood and adolescence were very exploited. Jeanette said when she hit puberty, her mother encouraged calorie restrictions so she could look thinner and book more roles for children. This caused Jeanette to start a nearly lifelong struggle with anorexia and later bulimia. Yeah, so reading a few of the interviews and extracts from the book, they were really intense. Um, For instance, this next one that I'll mention as well, you know, there's a scene where she talks about visiting her comatose mother in the ICU as a young adult and she said, Mummy, I am so skinny right now. I'm finally down to blah, blah pounds. She said that in hopes that her mum would wake up. But the context around that is really important as well because I read that in the room were her two brothers. So her brothers were like, Mom, I bought a house. Mom, I got wow. this new job. And then when it came to Jeanette, she was like, Mommy, I'm so skinny right now. You'd be so proud of me. Like they were kind of saying these like life achievements and she was mm. like, oh, I'm down to 89 pounds. So like mm. super full on. Mm. Yeah, and Jeanette really opens up about her harrowing childhood as well. So there are accounts of like sexual harassment or, un, you know, non-consensual touch. That's assault. That is assault. So yeah, yeah what we're about to say. So she revealed that her mum gave her showers while she was a teenager and gave her breast and vaginal, quote, exams until she was 17. So in the book, she writes, these exams made my body stiff with discomfort. I felt violated, yet I had no voice, no ability to express that. I was conditioned to believe any boundary I wanted was a betrayal of her, so I stayed silent. Her mum would also guilt trip her into sending money, emailing Jeanette, P.S. Send money for a new fridge. Ours broke. You caused my cancer to come back. I hope you're happy knowing this. You have to live with this fact. God, like, I mean, I guess this shines a bit of light onto the title of her book, I'm Glad My Mum Died. Mm. And in interviews, she she talked about meaning that. And she she's like, no, that's not being inflammatory or, you know, being clickbait. She means that. And, you know, reading these terrible, terrible experiences. Um, yeah, it's just like what a tough childhood and, you know, journey to adulthood. She's just 30 years old now. Wow. Um, another thing that we found out from her memoir is that when Sam and Kat didn't get picked up for renewal in um, 2014, Nickelodeon actually offered her 300000 US dollars as a, quote, thank you gift, 
but it also came with a condition that she could never talk about her experience at the network publicly and she of course refused that. Yeah, good on her for refusing that money. I saw um, an interview on TikTok with like an American journalist and she says like she very nearly took it. She was like, that's a lot of money that could put my nieces through college. Yes. But she ended up refusing it because she knew she one day wanted to speak about her experience. And there's a lot of um, allegations coming out towards the Nickelodeon um, network and the creator of many of the Nickelodeon TV shows, Dan Schneider. Um, so I feel like there's going to be almost like a Harvey Weinstein Me Too movement against this Dan Schneider very soon. Like all these allegations are coming out, really fucked up things happening. And I'm surprised he hasn't been like put in jail yet or like at least investigated for these assaults. But she didn't take the cash, but I feel like this book is going to like give her so much more money than that anyway. And also she's like kept her story. She's told a story on her own terms. Mm. In the interview she said she's kept her integrity. Um, so good on her. I wanted to buy this book and it's currently like $66 at Dimmix. Oh, my God. Because it's so popular and they're like people – like you can – order it at Dimmix for $66. If you really want to, you can pre-order it. Um, but it's not really out in many bookstores in Australia, which is super disappointing. Um, but hopefully soon because everyone I know wants to read it and is talking about it. Yeah, it's really pretty front cover as well. <laughs> Gotta mention. Yeah. I just want to finish this segment on a tweet by user at Dawny who wrote, Jeanette McCurdy being so vocal about how she feels about her mum is really important because so many survivors will be pressured with the guilt of, well, your family could be gone one day, so forgive them while they are alive, by outsiders. It's time for recommendations now. Jazz, what did you read, watch, or listen to that you loved this week? So this week, my grandma and I went to the theatre, which is so lovely. We've gone a couple times over the years, but... We saw the new Hairspray musical, which has just started here in Melbourne at Regent Theatre. I went with my grandma because she invited me and I just love going to the theatre and I love musicals. Mm. Um, but I watched the Hairspray movie like so much as a child that I was worried that it would be really dull and, you know, you know the story so well, etc. But it was just so special to see all the sets and hear people singing live. Um, Shane Jacobson plays Edma Turnblad, the mom, and the actress who plays Tracy was incredible. And it was like Australian cast, so just super heartwarming to see. I watched that on Wednesday night because you and I went out to see Arlo Parks mm. live on Tuesday night. So it was like a nice week mm. of live experiences which have been so sorely missed during the pandemic so I realized like by the weekend that I barely watched anything um and we're reading a book at the moment for book club so we can get onto that next week maybe so yeah gonna go with a live experience and recommend Hairspray for all our musical girlies 
gays and theys out there. Cute. Um, I'm just going to piggyback off that as well because I've also got a theatre recommendation. Um, yeah, I love going to the theatre, so watching plays and musicals and other shows. And it's something that I feel so lucky and like privileged to do. So this was like an invite to opening night here. But um, yeah, I realised that it's such a like a privilege, you know, tickets mm. are expensive. Most people don't get to go. And um, so anyway, <laughs> what a tangent. So I'll just give you my recommendation. <laughs> so I went to see um, MTC, Melbourne Theatre Company's new production of Lorinda. So this is actually adapted from a novel by Alice Pong, who I love and I love this book a lot. Um, oh, let me give you a little breakdown of what it is. It's essentially a story of this young Asian Australian uh, teenager who gets a scholarship to this prestigious all-girls private school and in there you know she faces bullies there's a trio called the cabinet who basically rule the school Um, and then of course um, she comes up against racism and microaggressions and she's just finding her way in the world as someone who's um, Asian but also poor. Uh, so this time this play was written and so like the playwright is Diana Nguyen um, and it was very, very good to watch. It was really intense as well. So that's why I was like, it's very good to watch because, mm-hmm. you know, this play deals with big themes um, of like racism. And I know a lot of people who I talked to in the crowd were like, wow, this is, you know, this mirrors parts of my own childhood. But um, it's set in the 90s and it's also punctuated with humor. There's so many like little bits I want to talk about in the show. But for instance, a friend of, the sh- of this show, Culture Club, Jenny Zhao, was an incredible incredible actress in it my goodness so there was about half a dozen Asian Australian cast members and they all played multiple characters and it was so incredible to watch like they are so talented a few special things were like you know they had Asian actors playing white characters um and they had like a sneaky like um kind of like breaking the fourth wall being like oh well you never see white uh, white actors playing any other ethnicity wink wink um And one other thing I also want to point out that this was MTC's first main stage play that had Vietnamese dialogue on stage. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it was actually more than I thought as well. So there were parts where Vietnamese was spoken with uh, like a few English words sprinkled in. uh, But like, of course, there was no subtitles or whatnot. Mm. Um, And I think that was really special, especially for the Vietnamese community to see that. It's an accent and a language that's really looked down on, right, in terms of this like accent hierarchy that we've made in the Western world of, you know, French accents are beautiful, but Vietnamese accents are really seen as like low class as well Mm. so I think to see that on a stage like a theater stage was really really great to um to see so to end my ramble as well if you are under 30 you get half price tickets so I really encourage people to get behind this production and go see it and I heard a little rumor that you're also writing an article about this. When will that be up on Refinery29 Australia? Oh, yes. I got to interview three people um, who are working on the production, which is really cool. And I think that this should be up within a week or so. So <laughs> check it out. Sorry, very vague timing. but We can link it. That sounds amazing. I really want to see and so cool to see Jenny doing her thing as an actress. She's so talented. Um, so yeah I want to try and get to see it thank you for the recommendation 
Of course. Thank you for chatting with me, Jazz, for the last hour or so. Cute times. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening, tuning in, and we'll chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.